Howdy. Welcome to Undersampled Radio, the show where we talk science, tech, oil, business, politics, and more. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Graham. Together, we're the hosts of this circus. To follow the conversation, make suggestions, or rant and rave, please visit the forum Software Underground at swung.rocks. Hey guys, welcome to Undersampled Radio, episode four. We're glad to have you here with us today. We have a exciting guest on the show with us, and we'll get to him in one second. But first, we have news from Matt. Go, man, go. Yeah, hi, hi everyone. A uh, bit of a cold today, but I'll um, I'll try not to sniffle my way through everything. Uh, yeah, it's good. Good week. Uh, we just, as many people might know already, we're organizing a hackathon in Vienna in May. And, um, you know, those things are always a bit of a, there's a lot of uncertainty around paying for stuff and paying for the venue especially. That's kind of the early big one. Um, anyway, we just got a, a new sponsor on board. They actually did help out a bit with the hackathon in New Orleans last fall. Uh, as well, but um, this time they're going to be a major sponsor. That's EMC, uh, actually out of the UK, um, UK office. David Holmes there has lined up some very generous sponsorship for us, so I'm very happy to announce that here, and um, we'll be making a bit of a splash on the various little websites and whatnot there are for the hackathon uh, shortly. We're getting people signing up now for the event, so that's fun to see, and starting to collect ideas. Um, the theme what? of this hackathon is going to be games, uh, which I've sort of wanted to do for a while, but this is uh, the first time we've had that theme. So, so uh, what the hell do you do as a, a geo person with a hackathon? Well, it, I mean, we're still sort of feeling it out as we go, right? Because, uh, you know, there's a new thing for our community. Um, and probably means different things to different people. So people with a lot of computing skills might come and build apps. I'd love to see more people there that don't necessarily have deep, you know, programming skills. Maybe just more interested in the ideas or testing or um, helping teams out with some of the tricky stuff like setting up uh, domain names or websites or doing some tweeting or taking photographs um, or, or coming up with sort of hacks, if you like, that aren't um, that aren't technical, you know. Uh, I was dreaming yesterday about a version of Pictionary for for geoscientists, and you know that really just means sitting down and coming up with a bunch of interesting words and uh, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, it, it definitely not something just for hackers, for for geeks, but um, all are all are welcome. Anyone with an interest in interpretation geoscience, I think, would fit right in. So when I think of a hackathon, I typically think of a bunch of uh, computer dudes sitting up all night uh, working. Is this right. uh, more laid back than that? It definitely is more laid back. It's a bit more aimed at the sort of, uh, I guess, professional kind of crowd insofar as, you know, we don't do 24 hours. We, it's uh, daytime <laughs> only. Um, we spread it over two days, and there's lots of coffee and pastries and uh, beer and tacos and stuff. So, well, I don't know if we'll find that. Surely there's got to be tacos in Vienna. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just an all-around good time. And you get to know some people really well and actually sit and work with them and solve some fun problems. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun event. 
Awesome. So last year, the hackathon was in New Orleans, and I submitted some ideas to Matt. And you can do that right there uh, on his website, on Agile's website, right? Ideas, yeah, absolutely. Tweet at me, at Quincunks on Twitter, or uh, you can drop us a line via the website, um, you know, matt at agilegeoscience.com if you want to email. So, yeah, there's lots of ways of getting in touch. I'm, I'm going to set up a Google Doc actually today with some project ideas, so I'll, I'll tweet that out later too. Cool. And then I see a note here about SciPy. So uh, what's the deal with SciPy this year? So, yeah, we mentioned on the last show that there was going to be a um, another mini symposium for earth science and space science at SciPy in uh, in Austin in July and um, I just wanted to remind people that uh, the deadline is 25th of March uh, for abstracts uh, it's pretty low-key so it's just a regular kind of uh, abstract not an extended abstract or anything like that um, yeah and you know let's get the earth science papers in let's um, let's keep keep that mini symposium on the radar and keep people talking about earth science at, at at SciPy. Cool. Well, just before we get to our guest today, let me mention that uh, we're going to be working on, or I'm going to be working on a leading edge tutorial on full waveform inversion as per Matt's request. He is the coordinator, is that right? Coordinator of the leading edge tutorials. So Mm -hmm. as far as I can tell, and interrupt me if I'm wrong, the leading edge tutorials are basically uh, open access, reproducible, uh, short papers about some cool thing uh, with a little piece of code that you can run in the background if you want to try it out. Exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they've been, you know, the, the, the gratifying thing about the, the tutorials is <laughs> just that they're, they're quite popular, partly probably because they are open access and not behind the paywall. Um, so I think I counted that something like seven out of the top ten most downloaded articles of the last year are, the, are these tutorials. So, um, so can guarantee if anyone's interested in writing one of them that you will get readers and you will get feedback and people will be into uh, into it in a big way. So yeah, cool. We'll keep your eyes out for the full waveform inversion tutorial. If you want some, if you want a free full waveform program, it'll be up there in. Uh, I guess we're shooting for August. So let's move on to uh, our guest here. Uh, this week we have uh, Dr. Morgan Brown. Uh, calling in from Denver. Um, I have the honor of calling Morgan a good friend. Uh, He is a depth imaging specialist at Neos Geo, uh, a company that does uh, geophysical consulting and seismic processing, among other things. Uh, In the past, he's built and sold a processing shop called Wave Imaging Technology, cutting-edge uh, depth stuff. They've done all sorts of things. He's got a PhD in geophysics from Stanford. Uh, he is an absolute creative genius in all things acoustic imaging. It, it's just so much fun to talk to this guy because he comes up with ideas that nobody else could. Uh, he's got patents, publications, personality, baby. He's got everything. If you're uh, Actually, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've already heard of him, but I figured I'd give him the introduction anyway. How you doing, Morgan? Great, Graham, and you, you called me. You called me exciting in, in person, having, having personality. But I, I kind of see myself right now as the the Bernie Sanders of uh, geophysics. Uh, I've been kind of a <laughs> I'm known as kind of a grump around the office. <laughs> um, I, frankly, I've I've become uh, uh, you know with with wave imaging technology. Um, we started that company back in 2007, and. Uh, it was it was a wave equation depth imaging shop, and we desperately wanted to get into the offshore Gulf of Mexico. That's where that's where the big money was, 
And we, we tried and, and we quickly realized that unless you had a boat in the Gulf of Mexico, as a processing shop, you were kind of, uh, kind of uh, subordinate, you could say. So it, it, what it did is it pushed us into the onshore. It was sort of a nascent uh, uh, 2007. You had the tight gas plays coming on and the Gulf Coast was still hot. So we, we went into the offshore, kind of onshore, where, where the technology wasn't being uh, taken up as readily. Went to places like Midland, where, where I don't think anybody had ever run a depth migration out in the Permian Basin, and, and they're doing it pretty regularly now. So, um, you know, think my, my predictions of 10 years ago saying that everybody would be running depth imaging in, in two years has, has sort of come true about 20%. Uh, but, but what's interesting is uh, in the unconventional world, it, we, we've witnessed sort of a revolution in unconventional oil uh, that propelled U.S. oil production to nearly... 10 million barrels a day, uh, essentially doubling the production output of the U.S. over about a three and a half, four year period. Um, if you look back in the, the 70s and 80s, certainly the market was sending the U.S. Uh, market price signals to drill, 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 produce more. But at best, production only increased incrementally. Prudhoe Bay came online and that's really about it. There was a lot of drilling and not a lot of success. Um, what's just staggering about this unconventional play is how much success, like, yes, a lot of money was thrown at it, but it's incredible. Uh, essentially a new mechanism, an, an entire new play concept was opened here in the U.S. And we doubled national oil production in, in, in four years. It's, it's astounding. So it's easy well, to drill on conventionals, right? We know where it all is. So why even do depth <laughs> imaging? Is it worth it? <laughs> well, it, we don't know where it is. And I remember a, a conversation I had, in fact, in, in Midland back in, in say, 2011, um, when the, the uh, Wolfberry play was hot. It was, this, was a, this was a vertical oil play. This is, right now they're drilling the horizontal wolf camp and, and mostly horizontal plays in the Midland and Delaware basins. But at this time, I was talking to a large operator, and they were uh, uh, – not the operator in this this well. They were kind of learning learning the the ropes. Um, so <laughs> they would drill these these uh, wolfberry wells. So it's it's the wolf camp and the sprayberry commingled vertically, and they would frack it. And the guy said, "Yeah, we'll drill one well, and it'll make a hundred barrels a day IP. And then uh, the well next door will IP at uh, five barrels a day. And by next door, these wells are on a ten acre spacing." So this is like like a few hundred feet apart at most, and uh, and and a hundred in, in in this play at that time, a hundred barrels was a good well, five barrels was not. So yes, there was always oil. There was always oil in place, but obviously there was reservoir variations, presumably reservoir variations on a scale of essentially one to two seismic bins at say thousand feet. I looked at that and I said, "Geez, man, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what the, the, the geophysical technologies of right now, say 2011, um, are not typically. We're not geared up to help with that stuff. Yeah, um, good luck. Yeah, the rocks are super hard. It's not like it's not like it's a it's a you know an AVO issue, and it may, it may be a porosity issue. But can seismic data detect the porosity? So I, my point here is that." Um, these reservoirs are tantalizing. They can make a lot of oil, but they are presenting us with, they're, they're poorly understood in the sense of, of how has geophysics been able to understand a reservoir and make predictions about a reservoir. Um, we just quite honestly haven't been moving the needle as far as the, yes, we do. We, we participate, we participate in the unconventional plays, but 
in a subordinate role. Um, you, you look at you look at say conventional prospecting. Um, back in the old days, you'd go out and you'd shoot 100 square miles of seismic data. Uh, then you go and you'd actually prospect on that data. What's what's that? What's prospecting? Look for look for traps. What are those? Um, and and maybe even high grade those traps with uh, with AVO or uh, something like that. And 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 then you go lease and then you drill. Now we lease. We might even drill, and then we might shoot some seismic. And and the seismic isn't really discriminating between good and bad because the landman has already done that. They basically said, well, we think this is good. So the landman's making the, the, the acreage decisions. That's scary. And uh, <laughs> and geophysics, geophysics currently, all geophysics does unambiguously in these unconventional plays is essentially tell the drillers how to stay in zone. And, that's, and that shouldn't be, the importance of that should not be minimized. Um, you know, getting back to the point of why does one well have, a, have now let's fast forward to say horizontal wells. Okay, why why is one well producing fifteen hundred barrels a day? Why is the one next door only IP? It's they say two hundred. Um, so so a big part of that is staying in zone. That's definitely a known fact now. If you if you're doing drilling horizontals and you stay in zone, or if you get out of zone, uh, conversely, um, <clears throat> it can it can materially affect the uh, the production of the well. So geophysics is participating, but we're we're coming into the value chain very late in the in the game <clears throat> we're not really we're not affecting land decisions we're not affecting drilling decisions all we're doing is kind of acting as a, a, a subordinate service provider a train monkey that that helps the helps the engineers drill <laughs> and <laughs> does it work <laughs> can we at least say that it works <laughs> it does it does for the for the geosteering task um you know, I was at the 3D Symposium, uh, which is a great a great gathering, 3D Seismic Symposium in Denver. It's been it's the 20th anniversary of that, and uh, we had about f uh, five five very good talks, kind of uh, focused on the role of seismic in the unconventionals. And uh, one, which was from from uh, Johannes uh, Duma, who's a kind of one of the young guns at Cimerex. Uh, kid's only 26 years old, I think, and he's he's done a lot already. Got a master's out of the School of Mines. Um, he showed a, a nice, nice study where they showed the path of some horizontals that had not been drilled with seismic, and then they shot the seismic, and 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 post mortem they said, okay, let's let's overlay the seismic on that old on that old well track, and absolutely, they were not in they were porpoising out of zone, and uh, they were just using LWD gamma to to guide them as they went. So. And, and and yes, they were able to make a correlation between. Holy smoke, that was a bad well. And let's let's look at it. I look at that. It went out of zone. So, you know, the, the information is kind of percolating out there slowly. Um, I, I think it's safely it's safe to say now that three D seismic is materially contributing to drilling better spotted wells. But really, getting down to these, uh, it's a it's a it's a complicated place that Earth, <laughs> and uh, I mean that. The problem is, back in the good old days, geophysics was so, seismic in particular, was so, uh, uh, had such primacy in the game that everybody had to come to us and talk our language. And now sure. the problems, that one, of the, one of the problems is that the engineers don't even know what the problems are. What, there, you know, there's, there's a whole host of things. You know, what causes a bad well? Is it, is, it, is it poorly located in the reservoir? Maybe. Um, 
was it completed correctly? That's a whole can of worms. Um, sure is. What kind of perf? Uh, do you frack it? How much sand did you put? What kind of propping? Uh, foam, gel, oil-based mud, water-based mud, all these, all these things that, that geophysics has just never been concerned with um, may be having a material effect on what's going on. And uh, I don't know. It, we, could, we can stand back and maybe just wait for the engineers to figure it all out, or we might just have to butt our heads in there and get our hands dirty. And we're going to have to learn engineer speak, and we're going to have to, rather than say, okay, here's seismic. Here's our hammers. Can we come hit your nail with our hammer? We'll say, no, we, don't, we have our own hammers. We don't need your hammer. We may have to just figure out what their nails are and, and build our, build some new hammers or at least, <laughs> or at least, or at least, you know, uh, describe our existing hammers in a way that makes it look like their hammers or their, you know, something that'll fit their nails. So I, I don't know. Um, we, it, it's, it's hard because the engineers, I mean, who, who wants, who wants to translate, science 101 to some other scientists you know nobody has the time nobody has the desire to do that so it's it's in, it's incumbent on on geophysicists honestly to learn more about what these the drillers are doing and sure it's gonna be i painful. completely agree i think uh there are two parts to that problem and one of them starts in the uh sort of midstream location which is integrating the geophysics with the engineering through the petrophysics um, have we, have you seen the, the Schlumberger periscope tool that, you know, Halliburton, everybody's got one of these things, the forward looking zone, uh, zoning tool. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I have to confess. I haven't, I haven't heard of it. Okay. So they have these tools that go all the way at the end of the drill string okay. and theoretically can accurately predict where the bit is headed in the zone and keep you there. Oh. And, uh, in fact, I was in a meeting with one of these guys a couple of months ago who claimed that seismic was dead because we didn't need it anymore. And I said, well, that may be true, <clears throat> but it sounds like mm. it's worth it to me to have this 3D seismic uh, as, a, as a backup, at the very least. <laughs> it sounds like, sounds like the guy you're talking to worked for Slumberjay, maybe. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just a hunch. Um, that's that's it's intriguing. I mean, uh, there's no shortage of, of cool stuff happening in the borehole. There's some really great science happening down there. And uh, honestly, as a, as a seismologist, I, I wish I knew more about physics that was being done in the borehole. But um, yeah, the uh, I tell you, um, it may very in, in a very very quiet reservoir. Honestly, that 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 viewpoint may be just fine in something that's completely flat sure um but what if you have, what if you have a fault can it predict can it predict the location of a fault can it tell you how to steer around a fault i highly doubt that and, i doubt it uh, uh but maybe 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 i'm wrong yeah but but, but i'm old i'm old and old and grumpy so what do i know um <laughs> well this guy's no, claim was that i, the, I will say this oh, this, this guy's claim was that the the problem comes in the imaging step uh, he, he says, uh, because, and we were specifically in this case talking about depth imaging, because there's so much error incorporated into the process through, through human picks and valve updates and all this stuff, that the, the, the depth imaging was more a function of interpretive leisure than, than quantitative science. What, what do you think about that? 
Uh, no, that's that's not true. I mean, the, uh, the you know, automated automated um, tomography methods have come a long way in the last ten years, and and particularly in in these uh, simple unconventional type reservoir. Um, I believe that, and I've seen it with my own eyes. I've done my own projects. Um, focusing velocity. So our ability to, with, with, with depth migration, you're essentially using tomography to adjust the interval velocity so that migrated gathers are flat. So essentially you're saying a bunch of different experiments and different offsets uh, all line up at the same depth and you depth image them. That that's, means that that's a flat gather. We, we can obtain focusing velocity to a half a percent accuracy in fairly simple areas. Um, so Yes. Yes. I mean, okay. Half, half a percent, half a percent accuracy is 50 feet at 10,000 feet, which, which it should seem impressive. It's that should, that's an impressive feat, but that's not considered very impressive anymore. Uh, people say, Oh yeah, 50 feet. You know, that's, that's pretty good, but not it's great. still out of zone, right? That's a half a percent and that's a half a percent accuracy. So, um, um, you know, if, 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 and that's, and that's, um, there is a, there is a calibration certainly, certainly with depth migration, People will say, with depth migration, you have to calibrate the results to the wells. In order to obtain the Thompson parameters to do anisotropic depth migration, you have to reconcile focusing velocity, so that, that, that velocity that flattens the gather, with the vertical velocity. So that, that's, that's basically it's Thompson delta to first order. Um, so people will say, well, you're, you're, you're having to calibrate to wells, so it's not data-driven anymore. So really convincing people that, that, hey, that step of obtaining the focusing velocity is really, it is, it's completely data driven and it's providing velocity structure in between the wells. Just because we calibrate it, calibrate that velocity at well points doesn't mean that the, that the, uh, that it's a, it's a sort of, uh, how should I say this? You have to know the answer in order to, to do it type of process. So that's, that's been a tough, it's been a tough sell. People, people who've done debt migration 15 years ago will, will come to me and say, well, uh, don't you have to have all the sonic velocities to do depth? I'm like, mm, no, we don't. No, we, we get our own, we bring our own velocity model. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and we'll calibrate to your well tops. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of misconception out there. I, I'll say this, the, uh, you know, the automated tomography methods are, can do amazing things now in predicting uh, velocity. And velocity is everything with depth. How about FWI? FWI, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it very interesting, very interesting topic. Um, and in fact, today I, I'm the I'm the vice president of the Denver Geophysical Society, so it's so it's my uh, my job to bring in the talks uh, every every month. And uh, uh, my good friend from graduate school, uh, Antoine Guiton, he's a world expert in in FWI. Uh, he recently moved to Denver, and he is actually going to give our talk today. So I asked, I, I invited him to do it, and he's going to he's going to play the grump when it comes to FWI. The interesting thing about FWI is, um, in, in theory, um, there's ambiguity about you could have a, a velocity model that was optimal for FWI, and yet didn't produce a good uh, migrated image. There's yeah, inconsistency there. It's an interesting one. Um, so I guess I guess um, it, it, because it, it, the reason because state of the art right now in FWI is is unfortunately it's acoustic and unfortunately I won't say state of the art. Well, state of the art probably is constant density. 
Um, cutting edge is variable density. So let's just assume for it, we're running, running an FWI that, that assumes constant density. Well, all the, all, the, all the reflectivity is going to be ascribed to a change in velocity. So in order to, you can, you can you come up with a velocity model that explains reflectivity. But the problem is you're not accounting for density, you're not accounting for VS. And what it's going to do, it's going to put, it's going to put some density in the, v, in the delta VP across an interface. So therefore, when you go, about, you go to migrate that data set, there's no guarantee that uh, it's, going to, um, it's going to produce flat gathers or, or try the wells. So that, that, yeah. So where's the money in, in, in future geophysics? Uh, we, we've been talking about cutting edge technology. We've yeah. been talking about uh, maybe uh, petrophysical verification, um, engineering support. What's next? I mean, where, <laughs> right now, where do we go? Right now in seismic processing, there's no money in it. Um, at least <laughs> speaking for the onshore, back to being the grump. Um, we've watched uh, prices, the prices of seismic processing have declined um, by roughly 50, you know, 30 to 50% in the last two years. It's a tough market. What, what I'm seeing in, you know, in one of my roles at NEOS, uh, quite honestly, is technical sales. Uh, I'm out beating the bushes because we, you know, we, like every processing shop is a little short on process on projects. We have more processors than projects. So, uh, we don't need me to be sitting around pushing buttons. We need sure. me to be finding jobs. And you know what the trend that I, how I think this is all going to shake out. Um, there have been just some radical price cuts in just basic time processing, for instance. The, the cost of any one basic existing service is down 30%, 50%. So you, you're not going to be able to survive as a time processing shop going forward. Um, how we're, what we're doing is essentially bundling stuff together and charging. Say we might bundle time and depth imaging together and charge not much more than we would have charged for you know, depth imaging alone a year ago or two, two or three years ago. So, so the game to survive, to survive, it's going to require bundling of, of technologies and the, the players that don't have the technologies aren't going to survive. How do we make money in the long term? I'm, I'm actually optimistic in the long run in, in the onshore market, at least. Um, seismic, love it or hate it. Seismic is the only technology that's providing some information about the elastic properties of the earth in between the wells. I'm, you know, periscope, um, you know, micro seismic maybe, but good old fashioned reflection seismic is going to be, nobody can match it in terms of its ability to pretty densely cover a lot of ground. And, and as soon as the engineers figure out what their problems are, as soon as we figure out quite a, you know, let's look at one, one big problem, Discrete fracture model. You know, how, how does a frac propagate into the rock? Nobody knows. The models, as I, as I've as I understand it, are are in a primitive state at this point. So if we if we don't even understand how our frac propagates into the rock, and, and how it, therefore it would change the elastic properties of the rock, we don't understand anything. Um, there's there's like seismic is going to be there to answer these questions as soon as we figure out what the questions are. So and, what's and, to yeah. what's to uh, to keep our our price point from deflating again uh, on oil in the long run? If we have these people more, making more and more accurate horizontal wells and unconventionals, can't they just, as they say, turn those wells on? 
<laughs> that, that's that's the oil, that's the oil companies talking. Um, you know, the oil companies look and they they see they see a completely subservient service market. Um, if we were to try to ramp up to where we were at in in 2014, the operators would would find much to their dismay that they have they have they have completely emasculated the service business. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's conservative estimates would say that you know your big your Halliburton Slumberjays have laid off 30 percent of their staff, maybe 40. I don't know. Um, it's of that is that that order of magnitude. Those people aren't. Those people aren't. The economy is pretty good right now. I mean, here in Denver, where you've got, you've got the, uh, you've got all the pot smokers uh, keeping everyone fat and happy. Um, lots so of jobs here. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I, I see it just in geophysics. Essentially, anybody under the age of thirty-five has been laid off. Um, I would say they last about six months before they give up. And, and I've seen many of them now that are off teaching. I get one guy is going to go into farming. One guy's into beekeeping. Um, the people are just aren't going to be there when the, when the prices say, Hey, drill, drill, drill. We're, we're just not going to, they can't just turn the wells on. I'm sorry. Um, the rig count is down. The rig counts down to it's damn near 400 right now. Yep. And it was it was at it was at sixteen hundred. This is an oil rig count. The oil rig counts down by seventy five percent in two years. Where all those rigs go? I mean, where, where all the rough roughnecks go? They just gonna like they just gonna sit there and you know call them out of retirement. I mean, so I don't know. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a it's, it's gonna be one of those situations. We don't right right now. All the sages are predicting. Okay, it's low. It's gonna go lower. It couldn't possibly go higher. And as soon as the consensus sees that as axiomatic the prices are going to shoot up because honestly unless there's a worldwide recession you know demand is 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 pushing 100 million barrels a day worldwide has no has shown we have not had a year of worldwide demand decline to my knowledge and and uh how much slack is in the system i don't know there might be two million barrels a day of slack in in the system and and the u.s has already taken off we're already off six hundred thousand barrels we're coming off at a hundred thousand a month Venezuela is about to go into chaos. Libya, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in Libya? It's easy. It's easy to imagine a world where two million barrels a day comes off. Um, so I don't know. And at that point, you, you burn through the the stockpiles are big. You burn through what's in the tanks, and and uh, maybe, maybe we're I don't know. It, there's a case. To, there's a bullish case to be made. There's sort of a just a just a we've underestimated. Um, it's why the commodity markets swing. People just can't seem to predict these the movements of these markets. And, well, it's a stochastic system, and that's part of the problem. But yeah. hey, Morgan, thanks for being our first optimistic guest here on Undersampled Radio. <laughs> uh, it was great to talk to you, man. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Matt, do you have any other questions for, for Morgan before we let him go? Uh, nothing is not going to open a giant uh, <laughs> debate. Well, if you guys have any questions for Morgan, please join us in the software underground at swung.rocks, and we will get those questions over to him. Thanks, yeah, everybody. Actually, um, I wouldn't mind knowing uh, if Morgan uh, – do you guys record those talks you mentioned? Uh, we don't, unfortunately. No. No, we don't. 
Yeah, um, I, you know, it feels like. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe uh, I don't know how much demand there would be there. And I know that societies struggle with giving away some of their content because it it's kind of part of the reason for joining uh, in the first place. But yeah, um, uh, sometimes the it's companies don't want to uh, don't want their stuff distributed that way. Um, I personally record a lot of my my talks on YouTube. Um, I've just got them there, and I can send them to people. What's I've, your I've, YouTube address? Uh, what is my YouTube address? It's a good question. Actually, if you go to my if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll find some weird stuff about my some of my side interests. <laughs> my, my my hedge my hedge against uh, oil oil price, which is it's sort of organic farming and food security. Okay, it, the webpage is coming up. It's probably just Morgan P. Brown. Okay, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, of course I can't. YouTube isn't coming up. There it comes finally. My channel. What is my channel? It's probably whatever your Gmail. Uh, uh, it's it's is. Morgan Brown. Oh, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah, Morgan P. Brown. Exactly. Cool. cool. Well, uh, if you guys want to go check out Morgan's uh, videos online, they're actually fascinating. He's got a whole bunch of weird eclectic stuff on there other than uh, totally nerdy seismic stuff. So, <laughs> again, we'll link to that in the show notes. And, again, Morgan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Graham and Matt. See you later. Cheers. Right. Thanks for joining us on Understand the Radio.